Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. Today, we're going to take you on a fascinating behind-the-scenes trip to Fort Detrick, Maryland. This is an Army medical research facility where they're working on coronavirus right now. We'll tell you exactly what they're doing. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Joining me once again is investigative producer extraordinaire Daniel Steinberger. Yes, great to be with you, Cheryl, as always, Full Measure After Hours, the best podcast out there. At Full Measure, we're always trying to find things that we can do or information we can give you that's at least a little bit different from what you're being saturated with on the other news media. And I think, by and large, there's been a lot of great informational coverage on the news about coronavirus. So we were kind of thinking, what could we do that's different? And Daniel came up with the idea of contacting Fort Detrick, the Army Research Base at uh, in Maryland, not too far from where Full Measure is typically recorded in the greater Washington, D.C. area. And Daniel was able to convince them to let us come in for an inside look at these fascinating laboratories where they're working on things when we were there, such as Ebola and, of course, coronavirus. Security was very tight, and we were very um, lucky to to get in there and and to see firsthand how they're how they're combating and how they're looking at the coronavirus and their their search for vaccines, their search for different treatments. Um, it was really interesting. Let's give a little bit of the physical layout of this building where the labs were. We were given the tour, and. Really, it looks like an older building. I think they said this has been around since the 1960s. It doesn't look like you're in gleaming, modern, brand-new facilities, but I have a feeling that when it comes to the lab equipment and the technology, it is the best available. But there are sort of these long institutional-looking hallways, and Colonel Cox pointed down one hallway when we were walking around and showed us that on both sides of this giant long hall were labs, left and right, left and right. And I asked how many there were, and he said for security reasons they didn't want to give an exact number. But I don't know, probably at least a dozen down the hall we were looking. And they're divided into categories depending on the type of work that can be done there. BSL, he told us, stands for biosafety level one, two, three, and 4. 
And this is the only place in the military, the only military facility that has the highest level, biosafety BSL level four. And this is where they conduct their research on Ebola, which is considered a more dangerous agent even than coronavirus, which has to be conducted research on that in BSL three level labs. So one is kind of like your basic high school chemistry chemistry lab. They don't have that. Two is where you have white coats and maybe a fa- little face mask. BSL-3 is um, a certain level of gear and you have to wear masks and other oxygen. And then level four is just, you know, for types of things like Ebola. Um, and it's really rigorous, um, vigorous suits and oxygen. And they're in these bubbles. So what would you say is the biggest thing you learned? I think what I, the biggest thing I kind of learned was is what they're really doing. I mean, who um, I didn't know anything in terms of how they're going about this. I mean, we've kind of heard the timeline of a year to eighteen months to develop a vaccine, um, but some of the processes and some of the, that they're looking at and the way they do things is, was really interesting. We saw how they test um, what they call their extensive library of therapeutics, and they test their different molecules to see, um, you know, against the virus, to see if there are any antiviral activities, and to see that firsthand and the, the robots and the machines that are doing that at rapid speed um, was fascinating to see. Um, and then the way they describe in terms of how they do their work, I mean, they, they are using animals, so they develop an, animal models to help to conduct their research, and then they create model, animal models to mimic the disease, and then um, and then, and then, and then, trying to develop it, and so that's the process: is going, is trying it on animals first, and then, and then eventually going into um, clinical labs with people. Um, and to hear about that process, to see that process firsthand, um, was really, really interesting. A couple of things about that: they did not want to show us the animals for probably obvious reasons, even though that must be done in many cases before there can be human testing it always stokes controversy. So we don't know exactly where the animals were kept. They said they have small animals all the way through to primates. And secondly, I think Colonel Cox said, in rapid development of a vaccine like they're doing right now, they can skip the primate research, I believe he said. So it could be that if the agent or the potential vaccine looks very safe in the early tests. Maybe they can go straight to human testing without necessarily all of the steps or taking all the time they might normally do so when there's not an emergency. Stick with us more in just a moment. We are back and maybe it helps to have a few more details about exactly what they're doing because a lot of times it sounds so generic. They're doing research for medicine and vaccines. But from what they showed us, they're taking samples of coronavirus in this case, samples given to them by CDC. Actually, I think Colonel Cox said a sample because they can grow as much of it as they want once they get a sample. And they culture it and grow it and use it for all kinds of things. And they, this is layman's terms, so I'm sure it's not exactly scientifically maybe how they would describe it, but this is how I understood it when they tried to explain it simply. They put this bits of, these bits of virus on a slide, and then they expose it to different agents or therapeutics or things that could impact the virus and make it reduce in size. So maybe they have seven splotches or eight splotches on a microscopic slide, and they expose it to some kind of molecule that medicine could ultimately be made from, and they look later and see if those seven, eight, nine splotches 
have reduced by half. Maybe there's only four, three splotches. They consider that something that could be promising. I mean, that's only the very early steps, of course, to see if it could be effective. Sometimes they say they get a little bit of antiviral activity and reduction, but not enough. And they keep toying with it to see what they can do or what molecules will be most effective. Now, I um, wanted to ask you, Daniel, because you and I both had never been here before and maybe never even been to a facility like this before. What was the thing that most surprised you? I think the biggest thing that I found surprising is the fact that the military and the army specifically ha- even has these types of labs, I think, and is working on the coronavirus. I think in, um, in thinking about the coronavirus the past few weeks, I've incorrectly assumed that this was being looked at mostly by the CDC or the National Institutes of Health or private industry and pharmaceutical companies. But the fact that the military has ramped up their own labs to look at this coronavirus and to see what they can do, um, I thought was really interesting. Um, And and I would say this is a lab that is not well known. um, And that's why I think it was really, it was important to see this work um, and fascinating to see this work. And and I'm glad we went, we were able to do that and do it in a safe way, obviously, um, during these times. Well, that leads me to something I hadn't really thought much about, that even though this research is being conducted at a military installation by military researchers, these are partnerships. And they told us that the corporations you speak of and academic research institutions from colleges and universities, some of them are there on site in this military facility. So Colonel Cox told us when I asked that they have hundreds of partnerships with corporations and universities and contracts where they do these shared agreements for research. The companies need these labs because they have more of them here. They also have more higher level, higher safety level labs here. Um, So this is joint research. In fact, when one of the researchers in either BSL-3 or 4 turned around when we were looking through these little windows, um, she had Honeywell on the back of her, a Honeywell label or logo on the back of her suit, her gear. So they're all doing research kind of cooperatively together. It intermingles. I don't think it's separately only CDC or only corporations, only universities, or only the military. If this interests you and you want to see what we saw, we will be able to show you in our episode of Full Measure on Sunday, April 5th. You can watch it as it airs. Um, in your local community, or you can go to fullmeasure.news Sunday afternoon. It's posted online. You can watch the piece. But what you'll see is, I don't know, it's pretty cool, like the movies. You walk up to these little windows in the hallway, and you peek through them to see these researchers at work in these labs wearing these spacesuit-looking things. And they also did let us into laboratories where they're not doing that sensitive work in terms of contagions. And they have robotic arms working with slides and scientists seated at tables doing their analysis and data input. So I don't know. I think that's all really, really cool. You can see that for yourself. So thank you, Daniel, for thinking up this story for us and allowing us to talk about something that's a little bit different than, I guess, what you're being saturated with on television all the time. Always great to be with you, Cheryl. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. 
And I hope you'll subscribe to Full Measure After Hours and my other podcast, the Cheryl Atkinson Podcast. You can listen for free anywhere you like to listen to your podcasts. And I'm pleased to announce you can pre-order my new book. It's called Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. You can pre-order that anywhere. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.